everyone, we're on Season 8, Episode 2, and today I have Rich Horner joining me from MetLife. Hi, Rich. Hello, everybody. Um, today we are going to be talking about, we're just coming out of Income Protection Awareness Week, so we're going to be talking, obviously, about things like income protection, but all the other things that we can do as well to protect our clients just in case anything happens, and we want to just make sure that they're safe. This is the Practical Protection Podcast. So, Rich, how are you? You say I think you were just saying that you've been flying around everywhere across the UK this uh, last week. I'm not saying flying necessarily, but maybe you have been. But... No, train, <laughs> train. The, 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 on the LNER, which you probably oh, know very well. Yes, so, being a, yes, I do. Being a Yorkshireman and speaking <laughs> to fellow Yorkshire folks, so yeah, I've been Brighton, London, back to Doncaster, back down to London, oh, and then lovely. back in back to Doncaster, and, and picked up an award along the way, which was great. Very, very nice. What was the award? Tell it was for the Innovation Award and the Money Facts. Ah. life pensions and which is uh, the in, innovation that we're the innovation was gp24 because we we put gp24 onto all our policies for individual protection and employee benefits but at no extra cost and to every single customer we had so it wasn't for new customers only it was for all hundreds of thousands brilliant of that's absolutely fantastic well well done so you've had a nice nice busy week then yeah I've had a nice busy week. I was a little bit tired yesterday, so I'm <laughs> glad that we're recording this today. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's just start getting straight into everything. Okay, so obviously we're just saying that Income Protection Awareness Week 23 has just happened. There's been something happening every single day. What have been kind of your key takeaways from this week? There's, I think there's been some really good stuff out there. And I think if, if people aren't looking at it on LinkedIn and the IPTF website, do, do have a look. Um, I, think that, I think this morning um, there's things going on now, um, but they, they were talking about how, you know, how to increase brand and grow your business, talking about objection handling, underwriting. But the, it was day two that was the key one for me, which was, was about conversations around income protection. I'm, I'm aging myself here, but it made me think about Bob Hoskins or the old okay. British gas adverts. You know, it's good to talk. Oh, yeah. And, and that, that for me, that's the, the best bit about IPTF it's starting this conversation about a product that is so important. And I think for, for insurers, we need to talk about it to then remind our distribution partners who we totally rely on to get the product out to the customer to then mention it to their customers. Because if we don't talk to the customers about it, yeah. the chances are they're not, not thinking about it. But given the, you know, the, the world we're living in at the moment, I think income protection is so important. And, and we've seen some great growth in the yeah. market you know the, the figures are showing that but at the same time i look at those growth numbers and think wow they could be they could be so much better and bigger if we were having more conversations there is one of the one of the takeaways for me actually and i'd suggest looking this up there was a there's a one pager that um iptf put together called the case for income protection and it's got some stats and figures around income protection that we can share with customers and I was saying that the, the percentage of population with IP in 2022 was 6.1%, oh. which is, it's just not, not, not good enough. It's not I enough. Know, I know. Um, no, absolutely not. I think, did that one have the one on it as well, where it was something like 13, for every 13 people one per of, who's able to work, one person is on long-term sick. So, you know, it's, it's one in 13, basically, which yep. is, that's quite a stat as well to say that, yep. you know, that that's, that's a 
company, you know, even a small company, that's one person in a small company who's going to be on long term sick. You know, it's it's quite intense. It's really intense. And I think there's, you know, kind of when you look at that as well, that's potential long term work absences. And then when you think about income protection, it can have so much support to get people back to work and kind of fiscally, it could just help the whole UK. So it's not just the benefit of paying that when someone's off work, it can help them get back to work and convalesce and be well again and and be able to you know contribute as as people want to do which is brilliant absolutely I was going to say in terms of like the conversations you know you're saying about that from an advisor point of view it can be quite tricky so I mean I sometimes get I'd say I sometimes get frustrated on social media when I see people saying if you're a good advisor every person you speak to is going to walk away with life insurance critical illness covering and, and like really some people are really going for it and it's like saying you're not a good advisor if they don't walk away with this all of my clients have this and I sometimes think from an advisor's point of view that that can be really um, that can be quite negative, obviously, for, yeah. for other advisors. But also, it's just the case of, but not everyone will. And I think a really key thing for me is when we're talking about things like this is that for, you know, for, for quite a lot of people, depending on the type of advisor they're speaking to, they're going to have a certain amount of assets or they're going to have a certain amount of income coming in. And I always find it really interesting when we're looking at income levels, because you can often look at people who've got significant income coming in and you can yep. think, oh, they won't mind paying this. And they're like, I'm not paying that. Do you think I'm made of money? And you're just kind of like, well, you've got quite a nice income, actually. So I, yeah. I, I would have thought it would have been OK. <laughs> and then you can get other people who would be seen on like the low end of this salary scale who will take absolutely everything and really push themselves. So I don't think there's like really a certain at the moment I've not figured out in a sense, the client that is absolutely, regardless of their income levels, or what makes someone go, yes, I'll definitely have that. And I do think it comes down to lots of things like education. I think it's the way that we're brought up, how we're exposed to finance when we're younger and everything. And I think, you know, for a lot of advisors, the starting point is when you're having these conversations is, is to just change the mindset. So as an example, in my um, company, Cura, uh, let's talk about trusts, just going off on a bit of a tangent away from um, income protection for a minute. But with trusts, you know, the mindset that we have in our company is that trusts are happening. You know, it's not an add on. It's not we're following it up. It is happening. And there needs to be a very good reason if someone isn't going to do a trust. And obviously, it's so easy to do them online now with so many insurers. That it's a case of, well, why wouldn't you? You know, why wouldn't you just do that? It's literally an extra page when you do an application. So it's changing that. It's bringing in some of that conversation in earlier. And I think that comes down to as well with the income protection thing. So it's, it's often not what people go for. The majority of people, when they're chatting, immediately think things like life insurance because it's what we tend to have heard of. It's tend to have been our parents have had it. And, you know, with a mortgage, when you get grown up, you have to have life insurance. But income protection, obviously, as we know, is so, so important and it should be brought in. So when I generally chat to people, whatever they've come to me for, I'll then be saying, okay, I'm also going to be looking at this. And I think sometimes advisors can get a little bit stuck if someone goes, but I don't want that. Or, well, that's just, you know, I'm not interested. It's outside my budget. And I think it's a case of, you know, we know in the industry that people are thinking protection is going to be a lot more expensive than it is usually yeah. for a lot of people. And I think it's that thing of, you know, again, like a bit like for me, in my mindset of the trust of a trust is happening. There's no ifs or buts about it. It is going to happen. I think it's kind of the same for me with IPs. If someone says to me, no, yeah. I don't want it. And it's a case of, okay, but as my job as an advisor, I'm at least going to look at it. And I'm at least going to tell you kind of what that pricing is, because that's really important. And 
going off against like tangent consumer duty, all of that side of things, we're going to really want to do that. I mean, obviously, that are always exceptions. Is say if you've got someone and they've got a £20 a month budget and they really need life insurance to protect the family, the children, you know, against a mortgage and everything like that, it might well be that you use the majority of the budget towards the life insurance and there might not be stuff left over for income protection but there are so many different ways of setting it up isn't there because i know with metlife i know obviously you've got your mortgage safe option yep um and i think at the very very least and this is a really key thing if somebody has a mortgage at the very least you want to be covering that that mortgage you know stuff yeah. like that's going to be coming out potentially you know some associated expenses and things like that and I think again, sometimes advisors can struggle with that. But what's your thought? Because obviously you do have that product there. So when you're positioning that and you're sort of chatting to advisors about it, what are you guys saying? Or how do we get that conversation? If, if someone's really new or they just do mortgage advice, but they're trying really hard to do right by their client, they're wanting to bring in that IP conversation, how, are we, how should we be opening those conversations? I think something you said there is key for me, where I've you know, worked with advisors who've successfully you know, helped their customers. You know, we talk about signposting in lots of different ways in the industry, but that signposting at the start of a conversation works well. So today we are going to talk about your life insurance, but I'm also going to talk about income protection as well, because I think it is important. Yeah. You know, it, it's just building the, you know, the ultimate for me is, is kind of offering all the options or at least considering all the options for the customer. Yeah. Back, way back when, might have had a little bit more hair. I worked in pensions i was you know worked in pensions particularly at retirement mm-hmm. pre and post retirement and you know at a time when 90 percent plus people took an annuity and then pensions freedom came out and it opened up all these options for people and they started considering it yeah. and, and i do think in a way consumer duty might well just prompt us all to start thinking hang on the, what consumer duty is really what it boils down to for me is making sure the right people get the right products yeah when you do that fact find when you really listen and understand what the needs and the wants of the customer is that's when we can start having a conversation about a broad range of of products i always think about it like a a, a building a protection portfolio yeah and this probably takes me back to my old wealth management days where you talk about a diversified portfolio is one that covers all the risks you've got so you'll have equities in there you'll have fixed interest cash property so that depending on what's going on in the world, you're always covered. You can always get some growth somewhere. And that's where, you know, the ideal, you know, where some people might say, I always do this. I'm all, yeah. And I'm always a little bit, if people I don't talk, like absolutes. Yeah, I don't like absolutes either. <laughs> so it makes me slightly twitchy. But if you are considering to say, well, let me, let me build a portfolio that's got some life, got some income protection, has some critical yeah. illness, maybe some of the differentiated products that MetLife offer, other, you know, other, yeah. other providers as well. That's good. Um, and, and I think what you say is, is totally right on income protection. I think it's, if we don't talk about it, I think the perception of customers will be, it's really expensive. I can't afford it. But the importance of it is it's great. And with, you know, shorter term payment periods, you know, one, two year payments coming in, we know it can be quite affordable. Yeah. And that the, the old adage is a stitch in time saves nine. And if you can just put in place a little bit, it can save an awful lot in the future where people are, off work for even that three to six to you know nine months it can you know where, where people don't have savings um and i think that's one of the you know the average credit card debt 2315 pounds you know, it, 
that was on the the case for income protection yeah document yeah people can drop into debt quite quickly so you yes. talking about it is a good thing absolutely and i think the last time i checked as well is that i think you know have it's important as an advisor to have some of that information to hand like really that those important bits of figures and things so again when i'm doing my training and things like that i will say to people right you know obviously statutory sick pay a lot of people go i'm fine statutory sick pay but it's a it's around about two thousand eight hundred pounds to live off for six and a half months it is incredibly small you know that people are not going to be able to live off that and when we're saying that you know a little bit back about the consumer duty side of things as well you know it is all about saying like let's try and make sure we do this but when I come into things, because obviously I, I tend to oversee compliance where I am as well, and I'm completely, obviously, I'm not completely different between my advisor head and my compliance head, but obviously compliance head Catherine is a little bit, you know, boom, you know, <laughs> it does work in absolute <laughs> sometimes. But what I'm always looking for as well, and I think it's important for advisors to think about this when they're doing things and when if they're not doing things like IP, is why haven't you done it? And I think that's really key because it's really, you know, we all talk about, well, I've done this and I've done that and, you know, you know, tooting our own horns in a sense. But we don't often go, but I haven't done this. Or we can be scared to say it, have I not done a good enough job? And it's kind of like, well, if we've not done it and that's making us feel a bit, mm, then that probably means we should be looking at it. And and if there is ever a complaint, if someone's coming in and looking at what you're doing, they're going to look at what you've done, but they are really going to focus upon what you've not done. And yes. you, know, you need to be able to answer those questions of, well, why didn't I? You know, if I'm a mortgage yeah. advisor and I'm setting up, you know, a mortgage, why haven't I done income protection? What was the reason? Is it because I didn't, it wasn't my thing? You know, I just don't really do that side. It makes me uncomfortable. I'm too busy. Um, the person didn't want it. Well, there's different answers to all of those. There's signposting to protection specialists. Or, you know, it could be that you have recommended it and the person hasn't wanted it. And I always say to people, don't be afraid to put that in like your reports to people as well and say, you know, we've done this, we've arranged this for you. And also, I did also recommend this, but you've decided it's not right for you at this time. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing wrong with doing that either. Um, but like you're saying there as well, there's so many ways to build it up. And we're talking about like the the expense of it. There's, I mean, that's one thing I love about income protection. There was a really interesting um piece went out recently Kevin Carr put one out about complexity in insurance we always say it's too complex but do we want it to be less complex and I think on income protection you know very much so we don't want it to be less complex you know from an advice point of view because like you say you know all those options one year claim two year five year full term and then the way that we can just build it, it is just it can be yeah. molded so much to suit people yeah no I, I agree with that and I think complex is is the right way to look at it so yeah i you you can build it you know yeah. it's we should still be striving for, to make it easy to understand but that doesn't mean it can't be complex and that you can take parts of it and build it for the customer because that's you know, that's what people like you do you you're the experts yeah. in listening to people thinking really going deep and you you know i know you and all the folk at cura do this really and really understanding what the needs and wants are yeah. and then building the right solution for the customer absolutely well obviously hopefully fingers crossed that's what all advisors are doing <laughs> not, not just to secure got a good amount doing that so when we're talking about income protection and things like that we do see a lot of extra add-ons now these add-ons sometimes come with so obviously quite a lot of income protection policies now can add on things like fracture cover and things like that and i know like obviously with metlife you do have your everyday protect where you see things like the fracture cover and have it as as kind of in built into the everyday protects as part of that um, product feature and it's it can be quite hard sometimes as an advisor to sort of know well how important is it you know if, if you know to add on if it was 
IP policy with a different insurance sales, so I'm adding on fracture cover. How important yeah. is it? How, you know, that extra little bit of money, how can I convince someone to take it out? But I know obviously you guys, especially, you're, you're bound to have lots of stats there to show just how important it is to, to have something like a fracture cover and things like that. Yeah, and, and, and we have, you know, we, we paid in 2022 over 19,000 claims at MetLife alone. Um, a lot of those on fractures, um, a lot for hospitalization, for sickness. And, and what, what we, our products actually are, well, they're designed to be complementary to the other products in the market. So it's not yeah. trying to replace life, kick or income protection. You can, it, it's almost like a standalone add-on. That's yeah. how, we, how we build our products. Something I have seen with you know, value-added services generally though, and I think this is something we really think hard about is, is making sure that when, when we're building a product, it's really, it's clear in the marketing material who the product is for. You know, we know with Everyday Protect, it's for families, self-employed, blue-collar workers, people with active lifestyles. And yeah. We hammer that home because there is not one product that can be, be right for everyone. I think something I've seen in, with value-added services in the last few years, which I think is a good thing, is it, it felt like when they started coming into the market, there was a, just a race to have the longest list of yep. value-added services. Yeah. And that was right for the customer. But actually, I think you can't see the wood for the trees at that point. There is a, you know, the, I don't know if you heard it, there's a thing called the paradox of choice. You know, you mm -hmm. give people too much choice and they make no choice at all. Yeah. There is a, there's something I talk about. There'll be some of my team, folk who've worked with me have listened to it, is going, it's going on about jam again. Because I use this, jam. I've, used, jam, I've used this analogy so much. So I've talked about it so much. I thought it was going to be one of those stories where, when I looked into it, it wasn't true. And okay. It's just, it's just insight. But I found, I found, I found the report. It was done at Washington University, but it was, it was basically an exact, an experiment where they were, you know, this they went and said, right, how much can we can we increase our sales of jam? So what they did in one supermarket, they put twenty four choices of jam. Right. which attracted 60% of the shoppers who came in. Okay. In the same supermarket, a few weeks later, they put six choices of jam, which only attracted 40% of the shoppers. Okay. So actually by having more jam, you attracted more people. For both of them, shoppers sampled two of the jams. Right. So you get the same sample rate. Where you got 24 choices of jam, though, only 3% of shoppers bought the jam. Okay. <laughs> where you gave people six choices of jam 30 percent of the shoppers buy the jam uh -huh. because they can find and hone in on something that's important to them that they yeah. like and i think what's happened with value-added services for me is we've got better as an industry is packaging them yeah. so you know and i've because i do my research i have a look at you know what the other insurers are doing and i think when you go on the website it's now clear why this value-added service is there who it's for yeah and that, for me, that's critical. And again, we go back to consumer duty, right product for the right customer. If you, if you put in a value-added service on there, there is a cost to that, to the customer somewhere. So we've just got to make sure that it's getting used. So tracking the usage rates and things like that is really important. No, definitely. And uh, just a little thing again for advisors, because, you know, it's I think there's a mix between advisors who sometimes we'll use the value added benefits to help promote a certain product and then some who kind of don't take it you know don't, don't consider it too much so as, as an example you know a, a cure obviously we're known for helping people who um have 
risks that mean that it's, it's, it's not always the simplest of things to get insurance for them. So when we're looking at insurers, it's not often a case of that we have a choice of 20 or so, you know, for us to look at. I mean, we have we have about 35 insurers that we're using across, you know, the market and in yeah. the UK and international. But it'll end up with each client that we've maybe got two or three that maybe stand out or maybe sometimes it is just one. So so for us as a company, the value adds doesn't always end up being like the selling point. But I know for some firms, obviously, it can really help people them to so I say, like, you need to, you know, we really think this one. And I think they're absolutely fantastic, the value adds. But I just always like to reiterate to advisors, make sure that you are very clear that they are non-contractual. If you are putting them in your recommendation report, say everything on here is completely contractual with the exception of the value-added yes. benefits. Just make sure that you are being super, super careful about it. And um, and I know because you were saying then as well about like families and everything as well, just like scooting back. So I know that, you know, obviously with the everyday protect side of things, you do have children's cover in there as well. And and it's really interesting because we have children's cover, but not really in the IP space, but in the critical illness space. Yeah. And that's, again, so different. Well, I say so different. It's 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 quite different to what you would be offering in terms of like the everyday protect side of things. But I imagine that's where, especially on like those fracture covers, those that nineteen thousand claims of last year. I imagine that a huge amount of that is children with their um with their fractures. I know my son um broke his collarbone doing a handstand yep. um earlier this year, which was interesting. Um and um and you know certainly it's um. It's it's certainly something that I'm assuming you see lots and lots of. Yeah, it is something. I watched from where I'm sitting now. I saw my daughter do a cartwheel in rollerblades the other day, <gasps> and I just thought, oh, there's a claim waiting to happen. Oh, so no. I've, I've asked her to stop that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, um, yeah, it, we definitely do see it. We actually see it on the value-added service as well to a certain extent with GP. But last year we paid. 5,176 claims for kids. Oh, so that was for, for accidents and for, for the illnesses, so hospitalization, which, yeah. and a lot of the time, they are linked linked together. Yeah. And already we, and it was it was only this year where we've launched GP24 um, to our customers. Of the prescriptions we're seeing coming from that, 17% are for the kids. Oh. And, and that's, you know, that's not a specific children's product. It's a product that where you can add kids on so so we know that that is a driver about about 50 percent of the everyday po- protect policies we we see go out of the doors have got the child cover add-on on, on yeah. there wow i was gonna say i mean i think if you do it it's 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 pretty much a given that you're going to want to be doing that there so i mean so if we've got like five thousand claims that's what we're looking at 13 14 claims a day yep if you, I think if you do it on a 365 days a year, the, the team at MetLife are committed, but they don't work 365 yeah. days a year. It's just over 14 claims a day for kids. Wow. I mean, that's that's a huge, huge amount of children that are breaking bones and doing different things like that. That's quite scary. And I think you even cover things like, is it like the green stick fractures and stuff like that, isn't it? Where it's just like, if it's a fracture, it's a fracture. Am I right? Yep, totally right. The, the, one, the one we don't cover is for people like me who like running which is a stress mm-hmm. fracture because that's just an overuse injury yeah. for idiots um who don't want to stop going out for a run when they've when the leg hurts so we don't cover that because it's the definition is not an accident um yeah. and then the bow the only bone and um, inverted commas that we don't we, that we don't cover is the nose and that's because it's cartilage but every uh... other bone in the body is covered in one way or another 
Oh, interesting. And I think I have to say, I think it's because I remember um, quizzing you about this years ago um, when I first met you. So I apologize for quizzing you about <laughs> it from the start. But obviously, as I always say, I've got hypermobility syndrome. So my body is naturally, you know, potentially more likely to break than someone who doesn't have it. And And I think, you know, it's important for advisors to be really clear with people as to what that means. So for somebody like myself, I remember us having this conversation and hopefully I've definitely for not forgotten it. I said it wrong, but it was a case, yep. you know, if I just happen to be in a situation where I break a bone and it happens to be because of the high mobility in a sense and because it's a pre-existing condition exclusion with quite a lot of times with these things that yeah. that wouldn't be covered but I think I use the example of you saying like if I'm stood at the top of the stairs and one of my kids has left a toy and I accidentally stand on it fall down all the stairs and break my leg and it's, it's completely feasible that someone else yeah would have broken their leg in that situation that you do cover stuff like that so you know we do take yep. it into account the pre-existing things and um i'm going to do a little side thing as well with this because i know i'm moving away from my peer a bit again but i've had it before and, and this is again just a bit of advisor insight is that i've had it before with people with medical conditions so i've maybe suggested the policy but in sense maybe their condition would be more likely to lead them to develop blindness at some point and you know and I've ended up having like a 30 minute conversation where we've just gone around and around and around of me saying if you become accidentally blind it will pay and then yeah. saying but I might become blind because of my conditions so will it pay out for that and me going no if you become accidentally and and obviously it doesn't just go like that in repeats you know, for 30 <laughs> minutes but it's really important as an advisor to really stick yeah to what and not be led to say what somebody wants you to say because I think that you can sometimes get drawn into that a little bit sometimes oh, as an advisor. totally totally but you are right by the way so yeah. yeah if it's down to the condition it wouldn't be but if it meets the definition of an accident so if you were outside doing cartwheels in your rollerblades and you yeah. broke a bone you would be absolutely fine <laughs> but I would recommend you don't do that oh I'm not doing that trust me I'm, <laughs> I'm certainly not going to be doing that I, I I'm bad enough on normal shoes let alone <laughs> let alone on roller skates I'm staying well away from that side of things so obviously I mean I know we've just chatted we've gone through loads there so we've gone through income protection why we think it's so important all that you know obviously the fact that we can really build it and make it different so like bringing in what we've said obviously from IPTF week which is all the thing of have the conversation build it how we need to look at all the different options um in terms of I mean with all of these things so at the moment we're talking in our industry, life insurance, critical illness cover, income protection. And then we have things like Everyday Protect and the new product that we'll chat about in a minute that yep. mostly MetLife have brought out as well. And then we have dental cash plans and then yes. we have over 50s and we have private medical insurance and all that kind of thing. Now, I know obviously you're going to see lots and lots in terms of MetLife and what people are wanting. And I know you've said obviously though that you've had other past experience in that in the industry and pensions and things, but when it comes down to it and when you're sort of like you're bound to do consumer research and things like that to build the products and everything what is it that people really want what is it that people are worried about yeah do you know i was listening to this podcast a week or so ago it was in the it was the income protection awareness podcast oh, and yeah. something you said really struck me on this actually where and i i don't think many people will do this but when you were explaining that um if you can't get someone cover for a condition, you will ask the insurer, okay, so when can they get cover? So I can yeah. go back to that, because which I think is an absolutely amazing idea, by the way. And I think if everyone did that, that's for, it's brilliant for the customer. It's brilliant for you as a business because there's a, there's a future customer. Yeah. But I think that when we've done our research, that's one of the things customers want. They want products and advice that stays with them and 
and develops with them through life. The panacea that always gets talked about is, oh, I'd love a product that did this in my 20s, that in my 30s, this in my 40s. You know, something that develops, and we don't yet have that product. Yeah. But but that's what people are looking for is is that consistency of support from someone who can continue to update the fact find, update their understanding of them, so that they can they can change and and adapt with them. And I think yeah. that it, and it was what you said that really prompted that into my mind to think, yeah, that's that's good, that's great advice. Yeah. That you you speak to someone, you've been considerate, and you keep staying in touch. And that's always come out in the research. Uh, and and then recently, the research has been, and we've just talked about this, it's the kids. You know, people yeah. really want to protect their kids. They worry about their kids almost yeah. more than they they worry about themselves. You, you, you know, you may have seen, we've had press releases go out this week about actually how much, that what we've seen from that. Some of the percentages are, they're as high as you would expect, you know, 92% of parents are concerned about their kids having accidents. I mean, I don't know what the other 8% are worried about, but yes. <laughs> it's the, whenever we've done something with, with, with the children's products and we've got, you know, we have the add-on on our products, we've got a standalone product now, that's where you can see it really, because people's eyes light up. You know, I've, I've been privileged enough to sit in the research. So you sit yeah. in a darkened room behind a, behind what's a mirror for the people there but we can see it and and the minute what you know what are your worries what are you concerned about and kids come up that's when the folk tend to get animated and that's what they're yeah. really worried about yeah definitely and I think you know that probably you know fits really nicely actually to talk about the the most recent um thing that has been launched by MetLife so do you mind just letting everybody know about that no I don't and, it, and it's you know the products as well the one thing i will say about it we've built it with advisors we realize you know there's kind of i always think about there's three parties generally involved i know that you know there is customers can go and buy uh, products direct but in the uk there is generally an insurer an intermediary and and a customer all working together so you've got you've got to satisfy all all three people in that in that triangle so what we did with this new product, which is called Child Shield, is speak to a lot of our, our advisor partners and say, right, you know, we are building something. We're thinking there's there's something here. What does it need to look like? Um, and then we went out and spoke to customers. We did the research with them. Actually, the research firm we used, you know, gave us feedback that actually the the propensity to buy or want the product from an you know compared to other insurer products was, was great. And, and what we've come up with is a I think it's it's all, we think it's the first of its kind uh, in a way is a is a standalone product that protects children, mm. so very affordable. So either six pound or eleven pounds because that was really important for us. It was yeah. it was it had to be something that could fit into that that protection portfolio into the existing advice process without breaking budgets. Um, what we're covering with it is broken bones, accidents. Uh, hospitalization for accidents accidents for sickness and then some serious you know childhood related illnesses so a cancer diagnosis and things like that meningitis so it's it's the product that as a parent the the things you tend to tend to worry about 
yeah, the main things that sort of stand out, I mean, obviously things like cancer and stuff like that are always a worry. I mean, I'm, I try and behave myself because I am a worrier. It is just part of my nature. <laughs> and obviously having three kids, you know, it's just I'm constantly thinking, oh, my word, what's going to happen next? You know, constantly yeah. about them. And you don't want to think about these things. But I think what's nice about the products as well is that let's say somebody, is an adult, is taking out some insurance and they can't afford things like critical illness. I'm, I'm not saying this is an either or situation. Yep. Obviously, yours yep. absolutely stands in it. But I'm just thinking from an advice point of view, when you're wanting to do stuff, you're speaking to a client, they maybe can't um, get like full critical illness cover for their mortgage, or maybe they can't um, get critical illness cover at all. You know, maybe there was a situation yeah. where they just cannot get it for some reason. Then something like this, it, it gives people the opportunity to protect their children completely independent of themselves you know before now obviously the insurances has, has been even if it because there are a couple of insurers where we can do life insurance with a, a children's yeah. uh, bolt on of some children's critical illness cover it's still dependent upon the adult whereas now this is just like that does just we've just taken the parents out of it obviously in many ways except yeah. the payments and stuff like that and this is just purely focused on making sure that looking after kids which like you say i, I don't think there is anything like that at the moment yeah and it is the it's the it's the parent it's the guardian's policy, but there is no underwriting on there. So you, you're totally right in what you say that if you want to protect the kids, you can still come and get this as long as you're the right age. They're the right age, but it goes from birthright up to the age of 23. You can get the cover. Uh, it does have value-added services as well, by the way. So GP 24, it's got a, a helpline on there for mental health support and all sorts of financial support That's as well. I was going to say that's really important, the mental health support, because I think that's a really key worry for a lot of parents as well. And you do tend to find with quite a lot of mental health support services that they won't cover children. So to have that in there was really good. And I think as well, if I remember rightly, that there is potentially some support. And I, I know this is going quite deep and obviously we really don't want to necessarily think about this, but there is some um, stuff about if children are very, very poorly mental health wise, they may be starting to to maybe take some actions that would be quite negative, yep. that there is that inbuilt support there, which is just not offered anywhere else because with other mental health support services, I know from experiences of, of knowing quite a few people trying to engage with them, that as soon as it becomes something that's more than just general, I'm feeling a bit down, can I have a bit of talking therapy, that the walls just completely shut yeah. and they just don't offer support. So to have that for children and with the, the difficulty in getting that support through usual routes just because of NHS resources and stuff like that, that is that is actually really, really stand out. Yeah, no, we're, we're very we're very pleased. It's, it's early days. Mm. We're, we're trying to do things a little bit differently um, yeah. to help. You know, our advisors grow their business and ultimately the market grow and then pay more claims. You know, keep make sure customers at the time of need have got something that's that they require. So we're, we're very early days, as I say, but we're we're pretty excited about the product. And it's it's brilliant to feel like we're doing something different. This is an idea I've been talking about for years. So I actually feel a bit like the parent who is just your baby given birth to this <laughs> yeah. child. So <laughs> Oh, fantastic. And I have to say as well, so this was something I chatted to you about it just before I started recording. And it, it was something that I looked into because I always, I, I tend to go, I was going to say, I've always said this, I've been raised by police officers. So I also tend to go to <laughs> quite dark places. Um, and in my mind, when this came out, I was going to say there was that part of me that suddenly thought, but what about kids that aren't safe? 
because obviously talk about broken bones and things like that. And I thought, oh, no, it's just me. But then a couple of my team said, has anybody checked this? And what I was so, so pleased about, and I have to say absolute hats off to MetLife because I don't know if every firm would have thought of this. And I just, I think it's an incredibly important thing. And it's really, it makes you start thinking, you know what, good firm kind of thing yeah. is that there are specific statements in the documents that say you know that there might need to be potentially declarations or you know sometimes checks if there is a suspicion that the broken bones or things like that have been inflicted rather than it being due to an accident and I just you know that was immediately for me the fact that you've got safeguarding in there it's in there in the wording couple of places I think that's really really stands out as, yeah. as something that's important so definitely hats off to you guys. Uh, thank you and, the, and I think it's worth just shouting out the, the claims team as well they part of that is, is our claims team so we paid last year over 19,000 claims um, and they're not all as complex they're, sorry they're not all as simple as like a life claim yeah. where you know eat, you know we know they don't really need to know the cause we know exactly what's happened ours can come from anywhere fractures illness loss of limbs so they have to go into quite a lot of detail on each claim and really get an understanding so they are they're very skilled at talking to customers and 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 spotting things if there's an issue and but also supporting where needed so they they're they're a brilliant bunch well that's fantastic i was going to say and i have my fingers crossed that there won't be any of those situations um but again from probably an advisor point of view it could just be you know making sure that you're just clear with people in a sense as you know as subtly as possible there's you know these yeah. policies aren't designed for that kind of a situation um and then hopefully kind of ward off anything like that that could um could potentially happen um so i was going to say towards the end of the podcast there rich is there anything that you would like to leave us with thoughts wise in terms of income protection or anything else that we discussed yeah i think thinking back on the conversation which is great by the way it's just nice to sit and talk sometimes isn't it yeah, like it I say it's good to talk yeah. um the, the the main thing for me we are you know I, I always say to my team you know there is no one product that is right for every customer it's yeah. impossible but we should take into account all the products for every customer so if we if we as an industry can start to understand what the options are thinking about starting with the customer and listening and hearing what they say here here's my worries this is the here are the risks that i feel present me every day and then discuss the appropriate products yeah. and signpost it early to say well i think because of what you said i'd love to discuss with you today life income protection and yeah. met life everyday protect yeah that's that's a great place to be and i think we'll continue to to grow the market from income protection because it's brilliant to see those stats but there is there's is so many more people out there who don't have the product and and similar products that can protect against everyday occurrences you know not the really big things like you know life and kick but these short term or potentially short term three to six months off work which we know can have huge impacts on people's lives so let's let's have the continue to have the conversations signpost earlier they're going to have them and, and consider the options all the options that could be appropriate for the customer absolutely and uh, and i was gonna say because i know we mentioned obviously metlife the fda protect lots of people know where to come to to soft like look at that in terms of the child shield though that's just currently with a, a certain number of firms isn't it? is it 10 firms that can currently do that 10 so firms, yeah 
So if you see if you see a, a need for it, if it's something your client's interested in, it's a good idea to reach out to one of the firms that can do it. And, yeah. uh, and you know, obviously, like I was saying, signposting, things like that. And just, again, it's that thing of just having those conversations and making sure we're making everyone aware of all the different aspects of what we can do for them. Yeah, and we will be, over time, we'll be starting to make sure it's a, if available via more outlets, but it's a new product. We're very pleased with how it's going so far. So yeah, okay. keep an eye on, on what's going on with Child Shield because we're excited. Brilliant. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Rich, and thank you everybody for listening. Next time, we're going to be back with Matt Van, be his first time back in Season 8, and we're going to be talking about getting insurance for expats and why it isn't always as simple to insure people outside of the UK. If you'd like a CPD certificate, please visit our website, practical-protection.co.uk, because um, you can get your CPD certificate there, thanks to our sponsors, the Octa members. So thank you again, Rich. Bye. Thanks. Bye.